Hey, welcome to the InDoubt show. My name is Andrew Marcus. I'm the new creative director for InDoubt, and I'm just so excited about this new season that we have together. We hope you enjoy it. This is the first of our new format, so enjoy the show. God bless. Hey, welcome to the In Doubt Show. We're finally here. We've been waiting and prepping and planning and preparing all this for this moment. We're so, so excited about this new uh, format, what we're going to be doing. So this is the first one, the In Doubt Show. Uh, we hope you enjoy today. So before we dive into all the things today, I firstly want to say thank you. Thank you for your support with In Doubt as an entire ministry. Uh, our team was kind of getting together the other day and we were just looking through kind of all the algorithms and all that we've been doing this last year. And it's just been consistent. You've been faithfully following along and we just pray that everything we've been uh, giving you and offering you has been a great resource to you. But we just want to say thank you for your support. Thank you for going along the journey. And uh, we do get excited about what we have for you in 2023. So before we talk about any changes, there's a lot of things happening with the ministry. But before the change, we just want to say thank you. And before we get into all the change that is going to be happening that you'll see throughout the weeks and months and years, I want to talk first about the things that are not changing. Because there's going to be some things that we are going to hold tight to and continue uh, with our mission as a ministry for you. Everything we do, we do it for you. And I know when, my, when I say that to my wife, she gets pretty upset. Like, honey, I'm doing everything for you. Everything I do is for you. And that usually ticks her off. But it makes sense because usually I say it with a terrible attitude and it's in a, the worst timing. But we really do want to make sure that we're resourcing you. So before we talk about change, we'll talk about things that are not changing. And before we talk about that, I want to just address the elephant in the room or maybe the elephants in the room. Um, <laughs> we have other voices that you're going to be hearing on the show. Uh, one of them is our video guy. I hear that voice crack. You guys hear that voice crack? I did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I did. I heard it. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, that was amazing. So, <laughs> so we have Brendan. Uh, Brendan, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. Good, not great? Yeah. Just well, you started good. working here and now I have to look at you the whole time, okay. which is great. You're on. Okay. I'm just terrible. editing your face. Okay. 24 seven. You should feel blessed. <laughs> <laughs> they say I have the face for radio. So why are we doing <laughs> Why are we doing video, which we'll get to in a moment. But if you're listening on podcasts, you'll understand that in a minute. Um, we have Chris as well. Chris, how are you? Hello, I'm good. Yeah, I'm you're good. doing well. So uh, I want to just get to know you guys a little more so our listeners get to know you a little bit more because I think it's important uh, that uh, you get to know us and we get to know you over time. So Brendan, tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been doing video with In Doubt? And Chris, can you please ah, just put your phone on Chris. airplane? <laughs> This happens every time. He just, every he's, single, he's this popular. is episode one. This does not happen every this time. This is Andrew's laptop. Actually, it does happen every time. Because this is the first episode. Yeah, every, every single... <laughs> every time this happens. Every episode we've ever done, that has happened. Uh, yeah. Uh, I've been with uh, the Good News Broadcasting Association of Canada for the last five and a half years. Okay. Uh, started in, what was that, 2018, I guess. 2018. Uh, 2018. Ben took me in under his under his wing. Just I think kidding. he's had many regrets. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Well, uh, more than one. Um, I go to a Pentecostal church. Okay. So I'm here to bring the spirit of God to oh this. Pro <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> just and kidding. he's fired. But <laughs> honestly, though, I, actually, 
<laughs> I met Brendan. I met Brendan um, in, in Israel. In, in Israel, yeah, of yeah. all places. You'd think somewhere, you know, we live pretty close to each other, but we met in Israel uh, on the Back to the Bible Israel tour, which was honestly life changing. It changed yeah. my life. That, yeah. that trip changed my life. So I encourage you, if you're watching and you've never been to Israel, it turns your Bible from black and white to 4K, HD, 4D. Okay, just because I'm a video guy, you don't have to talk about video stuff. I'm trying to just, yeah, I'm trying to speak his language. Oh, that's funny. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's really cool. I'm, you know what? You do a lot for this ministry. I'm really grateful for you. And now I'm, I'm excited that people don't get to just see your gifting, but they can... Well, they're not going to hear your gifting. <laughs> they're going to hear you. This wasn't my idea, by the way. Yeah, I didn't want to like come yeah. onto a platform. Andrew had to beg me. Okay. You know what? I did. I'm actually. just kidding. Okay. Then we have Chris. Chris, how long have you been working with uh, InDoubt for audio? Just slightly longer than Brendan. Okay. Uh, yeah. Started a few months before him. So. Oh, yeah. Cool. I think we're coming up to six years yeah. this year. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Six years. He's I've got been, me beat. He's got you beat. Just barely. You got me both beat. I've been here for about two weeks. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's uh, an office pool going around to see how yeah, long. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know what? I actually come home from work and Michelle's like, so you you get fired? <laughs> like, not yet. I'm good. I'm doing good. Uh, no, but we are very excited. And I wanted to just introduce them to you because you're going to hear them. You're going to see them. And um, I just think it's important. We get to know you guys. You get to know us. So before we dive into all the things that are going to be changing that you'll see slowly throughout uh, as uh, in the ministry with InDoubt, I want to talk about the things that are not changing. The first thing that's not changing, and you guys can chime in as you feel led, but the first thing that's not changing is uh, our purposes. Our purposes as a ministry are not going to change. Uh, our desire is to continue to give you biblical resources, content to help you uh, to answer questions. And that's why if you're even watching this right now, which we'll talk about change later, you can comment below and just let us know some of the things that you're struggling with, some questions you have, some doubts. We'll do our due diligence, do our homework if we don't know answers. And uh, we just want to help you. We want to resource you with truth because I think it's very, very important. This is the reality for every single person. Everyone on this earth wears glasses. Now, you're probably thinking, but I have 20-20 vision. Brendan's not wearing glasses. I need them. Oh, he needs I see. can't see. Everyone needs glasses. <laughs> no, but the reality is everyone is wearing glasses. And what I mean by that is this. Throughout life, whether it's childhood experiences, whether it's upbringing, how your parents raised you, what you learned in high school, what you learned in university, we get these perspectives of life. Some of them are truth. Some of them are not. And we want to make sure that we resource you with biblical glasses. So when you're walking around life, you're looking at the world with a biblical perspective, which will really help you when things get hard, when things get challenging, and you are looking at them through the perspective of the Bible, it's going to help you. And so our purpose is to resource you with truth. That's never going to change. Our mission, we're married to our mission. So it's till death do us part. But the medium, which we'll talk about later, can change. The medium is like dating. We can change as we as we kind of you know. What do you think? Well, I was just laughing at Ben. He as soon as you said dating, he was like, what? "Well, it's because the medium will change." You know, you date someone. Oh, okay. and, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Anyways, Ben's in the room. I just want to make sure but, Ben's voice is heard. No, I yeah. don't. I know. No, that's, I, don't. I don't know. If that's a good idea. <laughs> okay, so our mission will always be. Uh, the same. We will not change our mission. We want to give you truth. We want to help you. The world is bombarding us with a lot of things that are not truth. And so it's very important now more than ever that we give you truth every week. And so that's something that's not changing. The another thing that's not changing is Daniel Markin. Daniel Markin that's is right. Can I get an amen? Amen. Huh? God bless huh? Daniel. Come on, Daniel. He's not changing. So, uh, which is great. I love Daniel. So he's going to be a part of it. As you know, I think he's mentioned it a few times. I've heard it on the podcast that he's had twins. 
Whoa. Oh, yeah. Two for yep. one, which you is, a, you know, he got the midnight special, two for one, <laughs> which is great. It's really great when it comes to food. <laughs> but when it comes to babies, it's a little harder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I, I would know. You would not know. <laughs> I have two children and they, yeah, came you would at, know. They, they came at different times. And even that is hard. Mm-hmm. So imagine a two for one. So if you think of him, pray for him. We're just trying to figure out what's best. He moved to Saskatchewan. There's a lot of family there. I guess it says, they say it takes a village to raise a child. <laughs> it takes Saskatchewan to raise two. Oh, when wow. You get two. But they do have a lot of family there. So they're just, you know, pray for them if you think about them. But he is not going anywhere. He's going to be helping with interviews and blogs, articles. He'll be at events uh, when he's able to. So pray for him if you think of him. But that's another thing that is not changing, which is good. Because I really like Daniel. He's great. I he's, love his hair. Yeah, he's been a rock. His hair, his hair does remind me of the hair of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Like a greasy, <laughs> a nice, like a greasy long, Jesus. It's a nice long hair. It's greasy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he and I have unfortunately been compared as the antithesis of each other <laughs> oh, more than once. So Chris is the, anti- um, is the antichrist. No. And, no, no well, oh, sorry, I can't, I can't say that. No, for, I'm, 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 I'm bald. I lost my hair. Oh, wow. And so when I see Daniel, I just, you know, makes a bald man. You're jealous. bald? I'm bald. But you were, oh, I wear I a would, hat all the time. Yeah, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have known. And even when That's I had crazy. hair, it was just like a scraps. I was just clinging on as oh, long as I possibly could. And I said, like, you know what? I just gotta let go and crazy. let God. <laughs> one day the audience will see your scalp. No, no. Well, maybe. Okay. Hey, maybe. one day you'll have hair again, though. That's <laughs> one day that I will I'm have hair to. again. Hallelujah! My resurrected Hallelujah. body. Hallelujah! I will be so hairy on the top. Of my head. <laughs> <laughs> Only on the top of my head. I will all right. Be so hairy. So. So Andrew far, Marcus, 2023. Okay, so far we talked about our mission is not changing. Our purposes will never change. Daniel Markin's around. That's not changing, uh, which is awesome. Number three, interviews are not changing. We're not getting rid of interviews. Uh, that's been super resourceful. So if you're watching for the first time on YouTube or if you're listening on podcasts and it's your first time tuning in, we have so many great resources of people we've talked to over the years that have just... Uh, that are still very relevant today. So I just encourage you uh, to ch- take a listen to those. They're, they've been very helpful for me. I've been listening to a lot of them these days. And uh, there's just, you can go look through the topics, but that's not changing. And I think that's really important. We get to hear about people from people who are significantly smarter than us <laughs> talk about things that we need to know about. Uh, especially me. <coughs> well, yeah. <laughs> didn't want to say anything, but... Well, I went to art school, so... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and that says everything. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not what you would call an intellectual. Uh, I point cameras and... Point lights. And that's stuff. A, that's hard to do. Well, it's, actually, you know what? Yes, yeah, it's very hard. I'm yeah, I'm irreplaceable. Yeah. <laughs> you hear that, Ben? You hear that, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's not changing. We're going to continue to do interviews every episode, and uh, we hope that they do bless you and that they're resourceful to you. Uh, another thing that's not changing is truth. Truth. Everything we want to do. Is Amen. Founded. Is founded Amen. on biblical truth. <laughs> you know what? Uh, Jesus talks about being salt and light, and um, in order for us to be salty and bright, we uh, we stand out. We look a little different. We're supposed to be distinct, and so when we're rooted on truth, you know, when you read through the Bible, which we're not going to veer off. Everything we do is straight from the Bible. Uh, it, um, it the Bible in our culture today, the Bible has a lot of, uh, I guess, cultural swear words, if you will. Because people are just getting offended very easily. And so we're, we're just going to be true to the Bible, and that's not going to change. We have always done that, and we'll continue to make sure that we resource you with truth. So those are some things that are not changing, because we want to make sure that uh, we are... Uh, I, I just want to make, make you aware of the reality that um, not everything is changing, because change is hard. I mean, I came here two weeks ago, and everyone's kind of up in arms that I'm around here. Yeah. Like, oh, change is hard. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. I thought they didn't like me. Oh, that's not true. Well, well uh, that kind of sounded... <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of hesitation. That's not entirely I, true. At least I responded. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Brendan was quiet. Andrew, I like you, bro. Cricket, you're you're cricket. fantastic. It's probably because I accidentally called Brendan Ben twice. Yeah. I could be Ben. I could be your boss if you want me to be your boss. I do not want <laughs> you to be my boss. Um, okay, so... Those are the things that are not changing. I don't want to let you know on a couple of things that are changing, and then we're going to get to our interview today. Uh, it's a great interview. We're talking about the Great Reset, which is not about the economy, not about anything political. We just believe, I believe, I've been seeing that the church, capital C, needs a Great Reset. We need to get back to what is important, which I feel is the Word of God. And so uh, we're going to talk about that with John in a few minutes, but I want to talk about the things that are not changing, the, uh, with the things that are changing. Sorry, we already talked about the things that are not changing. Uh, some of the things that are changing is uh, you guys are in the room. This is true. There's well, no... I'm in a different room. Well, yeah, you are. So <laughs> but I can you, see you. If you could just respect my position yep. in the other room. <laughs> uh, but we are together talking, so that's going to be different. Uh, multiple voices, but we hope uh, you know everything we do blesses you. Yeah. That's the purpose. Yeah. 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 Comment below. Do you hate this so far? <laughs> just kidding. Please this don't. This intro is so long, Andrew. Oh, okay. Just uh, get up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's the first episode. It's fine. Yeah, I'm just laying the groundwork. Um, yeah, so one of the things that's going to be very new is we will continue to air every Monday, but it won't just be a podcast. So if you're listening on a podcast, that's where we've been this whole time. Uh, thank you for joining us. But we are also going to be on YouTube every Monday. And so we'll have our show airing every Monday, and we encourage you to uh, watch, listen. I mean, if you're driving on your commute and that's when you listen to the podcast, I wouldn't watch it. That's illegal. Definitely. I would not. No comment. No comment. No comment. (laughs) Don't. (laughs) Brendan, don't. No, it's illegal. Don't do that. Just listen to us. But if you're at home and you want to watch, I recommend it. Because some of the jokes might be a little bit funnier or some of the segments might make a little more sense or some of the things we talk about with guests might make a little more sense if you're watching. I heard we're doing skits. Is that? I'll get to that. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Why you got to get ahead of me, man? (laughs) This is my show. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, okay, so it's not mine. So, uh, yeah, so every Monday we're going to be on YouTube, so we encourage you to like, subscribe, follow, share. We really appreciate your uh, support on that, but you can watch every Monday, and we hope it's a great resource for you. Uh, another thing that Brendan uh, just threw out was segments, skits. Skits. Different, different, different segments. So we're going to have different segments that, again, everything we do, we talked about the medium might look a little different, but the mission's always the same. So when it comes to different segments or skits or whatever we do, it's for the same mission to to just encourage you and give you gospel truth, even if it's a little silly. But uh, everything is for our mission. I like silly. I know you do. My mom calls me silly, actually, and I. I like Does she it. actually? Yeah, she says, "Brendan, you're very silly," and that's what I love about you. And I tell that that's, to myself every morning. That's sweet. That's it's yeah. That's, that's what keeps sweet. me going, you know. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Shout out to Chris for the sound bites. All Got right. The sound bites working. Sound that's bites are working. Great news. Woo-hoo! That's awesome. Uh, uh, another thing that's new is we want to just make sure this is very uh, interactive. And so if you're watching on YouTube, we're going to ask you to comment below. We want to hear from you. We want to learn more about you. We want to share a little bit about ourselves. Uh, I think relationships are really important. I think we've learned that a lot in the last couple of years, how important it is to do life together. And so we want to hear from you. So comment below as we go on in the show and we make sure that we're, we're uh, connecting with you. And um, we want it to be relational. I think that's important. Relationships are important. Um, okay, so uh, we're going to get to our interview pretty soon here. We're going to interview Dr. John Newfeld. 
a fantastic Bible teacher. One of my favorite Bible teachers. Oh, yeah, yeah I've heard of him. <laughs> he's, he's honestly one of my favorite yeah. Bible teachers. And I know people always say, and I'll say this, people always say, oh, you shouldn't meet your heroes because sometimes you might be disappointed. Right. I've met some of my heroes, Dr. John being one of them. Yeah. And I got to tell you, He's good. I'm not disappointed. Absolutely. He's one of my favorite people. Are. So we have him on the show. It's, it's going to be an awesome interview. I know it. Um, he just has so much wisdom for us as we talk through the Great Reset and what we need to do as a church. And so I'll kind of just lay down the foundation of what John and I are going to be talking about. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, has honestly been keeping me up at night. So if you struggle to sleep, you have insomnia, I would recommend you just go to chapter 8. Because it's, <laughs> it's unless you have melatonin, you know, it'd be good. Take some melatonin, you can sleep. But it has been keeping me up at night, and it's been keeping me up because it's just, I'm just seeing it more and more in our world today. Uh, I'm going to read some of it for you. We're going to walk through this, and we're going to talk more in depth with Dr. John. But Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13, it says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only few will find it. Now, when I first read that, that just makes sense to me. Okay, there's the wide road. I just assumed the wide road was people who just openly deny God or say, you know what, I'll never follow him. But then it gets a little bit overwhelming when you look at who Jesus was talking to. Verse 22, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you, away from me, you evildoers. So it seems like Jesus is talking in this specific moment to people who outwardly uh, look like they're followers of Christ. And I think when you connect that to today's reality, that's where I become a little restless at night because I just see this mass exodus of many people leaving the church. And, uh, you know, I also see people who are being more and more grounded in their faith. And so it's not just like, a, you know, it's a terrible time only. There are people who are starting to really dive in and take it seriously. But I do see this, a lot of people walking away from their faith and from the church entirely. And I guess I get restless because I try to make the connection. Why is that happening? Why are people walking away from church? Why are people just saying, I don't believe, I'm going to go my own way, and they start taking the wide path? And I think it's because of verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruit. And so why is the wide path so wide? And why are so many people walking down this wide path? Well, I think it is because the false teachers who are just saying, here's the gate. Here's the wide gate. Let's walk towards the wide gate together. And people don't read their Bibles. They just hear these passages out of context. And we're just losing people because we've heard it said, and I, even I, I, I've heard this said many times, that what you win them with is what you win them to. to. And so I just feel there's a lot of churches that are winning people with fluff. And <laughs> yes. Thank you, Chris. Very and that's where, You know what? In our home, the word fluff, we use the word fluff for fart. Because we want to just make sure that, you know, our kids don't walk around saying fart. We just think, oh, we, just, <laughs> we think that fluff sounds... That was a, little, a real one. That, that wasn't a soundbite. Andrew, <laughs> yeah, that was I not a soundbite. I forgot my lactate pill. 
<laughs> okay, but this is the reality. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of uh, just fluff. And the, and the problem with that is we see people come to these churches and that is what they stand on. And at the end of this passage in chapter seven, he talks about, Jesus talks about the idea of being standing on a firm foundation, a solid rock or sand. And I feel like what you win them with is what you win them to. And so if you're winning them with fluff, then the reality is when storms come, when trials come, people just fall apart. And so we want to make sure that we are on the narrow path and we're not um, just listening to these false teachers. And unfortunately, I feel like many churches these days have been uh, preaching anything but the gospel. And so we're going to talk about secret sensitivity. We're going to talk about kind of just this wide path, how it started, where it came from. And uh, we're going to just pick Dr. John's brain because uh, you know what? He's a very, very smart man. He's very theologically astute. And uh, I'm very excited to hear from him. So before we dive into the interview, just first a word from our sponsors. We don't have any sponsors. Uh, so we actually really depend on you. So if you could like, subscribe, <laughs> share. <laughs> if you could do all the things, share with people, we really uh, appreciate your support. Let's jump into the interview. All right, here we are with Dr. John Newfeld. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, anytime. Man, Love honestly, I, uh, I know we have a long history together, which yeah, maybe do. not a lot of people know this, uh, but uh, we've been friends since 2010. Is so it? We were together for a, a few years working at a local church, and that was an amazing time together. And then he actually officiated our wedding. Yeah. You officiated our wedding. Yeah. You got yourself a good wife, too. I really did. You did. Everyone always meets her and says, well, how did that happen? I'm like, the grace of God. Yeah, it, it, it has absolutely. To be. It has I to mean, be. I couldn't believe that. I, I told you, I think, get married to her as fast as you can before she figures out who you are, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now too bad, final sale. So that's great. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's 2013. And then 2015, we did a tour together. Yeah. I will tell. That was amazing. And then 2018, we went to Israel together, which yeah. was like amazing. That that trip honestly changed my life. And then fast forward 2023, here we are together, which is just like, I pinch myself. I pinch myself. This is such a such a blessing to be together. So I want to talk about a few things with you. We, we've been talking a little earlier today on the show about Matthew chapter 7, the narrow, the wide path. Uh, just kind of how the church almost needs this great reset. And we don't, when we say great reset, obviously we're not talking about politics or economy or any of that stuff, but we're just talking about how the church just needs a great reset to get back to what is really important. I feel like we've missed it. And so I want to dive into that. But before we even get into that, I want to kind of just talk about your recent book that you just released. Uh, here it is. It's called Heaven and Hell. And it released in 2021, I believe. Is that right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I was reading some of it the other day, and it was just really fascinating. It just took me off guard right off the top. You start talking about, because uh, not a lot of people have uh, theology on heaven and hell, and there's not a lot of talk about hell in churches. I don't really hear people preaching about that at all these days. But um, uh, you talk about briefly at the beginning of, there's a lot of stories and movies and articles of people who have passed and they've been to heaven or they've been to hell, and they come back and they kind of do a little report. Tell us a little bit of why that that could potentially be dangerous to understand that type of theology. Well, I think it, from a practical side, there's a couple of reasons. I mean, one is to say, I died and I came back, which is the kind of language that people use, mm -hmm. didn't actually occur. 
I mean, death is, and I try to give a medical definition of mm-hmm. death, and none of them actually reached that bar because if they had died, they wouldn't be back. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing that I say. And the second thing that I say is that when uh, individuals at a, at, are at a point of extremity at some level, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a psychological thing that, that, that happens. So here's the question is, what happens to the, the brain that's being starved of oxygen um, you know, what are the hallucinations that that brain actually encounters? So all I'm saying is that there's nothing that we can know with certainty from mm-hmm. those experiences. And then I add to that, there are a number of incidences now where individuals who have made that story years later said, I made all of it up. Yeah. So, you know, and Crazy. so, you know, in fact, in one case, you know, even a book publisher, you know, somewhat of their own integrity was at stake because they had published this book mm. that was entirely a fabrication. So, I, I, and finally, I add one more thing, and that is, look, when this kind of thing happens, if you had been in the Middle Ages, people would have said, oh no, I'm going to hell because hell seemed to be a real phenomenon for them. But now mm. when individuals you know, have this semi-death experience, um, they all were going to heaven. It doesn't matter if they were an <laughs> atheist. Uh, it didn't matter whether or not yeah. they spurned the ways of God or whether they're, they're a believer. Everybody goes to heaven. So all I'm saying is that these things are culturally conditioned, and then they're based with a with, with a lot of stuff that well, you have to, yeah. you know, credulity is is lacking. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. So what would you say? Why would you say it's so important for people to have? good theology about heaven and hell. Because we talked a long time ago, I was at your place, and we were just talking about this next generation is not even going to believe that hell's a real place. Yeah, that's right. So what, what would you say to people who, you know, just don't, have never researched or studied or, you know, thought about this? Well, I think I'd start by saying, look, there's something about being a sola scriptura Christian, and by mm. that I mean scriptures alone, so that mm-hmm. if you want a travel guide as to what the next life actually looks like, A, listen to what God has actually said, and B, listen to the one who came from heaven to earth. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, hear a definitive authoritative word rather than the theories of, contradictory theories of, yeah. you know, thousands of different people. That's huge. And I think that transitions for us perfectly because, you know, the reality is there's a lot of teaching, a lot of churches that are just teaching things that are not in Scripture. Yeah. And I think we're learning more and more. We're seeing it more and more. And But, uh, I mean, I'm seeing it more and more. But, you know, people I talk to, people I, you know, look up to are following it. And they're just, they're not even thinking twice about it, even though it's not actually in Scripture. And so... I think even like the example of heaven and hell and just reading the Bible and learning what the Bible actually says, because it's absolute truth, I just see in general, uh, there's just this shift within the local church or the church capital C, uh, that there's, you know, the two sides of the coin of grace and truth. I feel like, tell me if I'm wrong, but what I've just been seeing is that we lean heavily to the grace and love side, and maybe we don't, we shy away from truth because maybe it's offensive or it's uncomfortable or... You know, and so, of course, there's the big seeker-sensitive movement. And, and, and the passage that we read together uh, earlier on the show was Matthew 7, 13 and 14. It's the idea of the narrow path and the wide gate. And this passage has been keeping me up at night. Like, mm-hmm. I literally can't sleep. And I think about, you know, um, just this idea that, you know, many will come and say, we've done this, we've done that, we've done healings, miracles, cast out demons, and I never knew you, depart from me. Mm-hmm. And so I ask myself the question, okay, we see this mass exodus of people leaving the church, leaving the faith altogether. 
And I think it keeps me up at night because I just feel there's a connection between, you know, the false teaching or the, the folk heavy emphasis on grace with truth off to the side. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people walking towards this wide gate kind of willingly from listening to these teachers. And, and when you look at verse 13 and 14 about the narrow and wide path, mm -hmm. we see the reason why this is happening. Why is it so wide? Why is there so many people? Because verse 15 says, beware of false teachers yeah. who are going to look like they're in sheep's clothing, but they are ravenous wolves. Mm -hmm. And so I want to talk about, because I feel like the seeker sensitive movement has been, uh, you know, just still going strong where we have pastors who want to um, offend none of their congregation 100% of the time. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the history of the seeker-sensitive movement, because no. you've been kind of, you've seen some of it, you've done, you know, and uh, not that you were a part of it, but you've seen the inside. Well, I, I was at one point in time actually I mean, I struggling with, yeah. what do I make of this? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was on, at one point in time, I'd have to say, I was listening and was coming to terms with, I mean, how am I going to respond? Am I going to adopt this or not? So, yeah. Yeah, so so tell us a little bit about uh, what you learned about that movement and yeah. kind of that uh, ministry philosophy. Yeah, I was studying under the man who was the guru of what was called then the church growth movement, mm -hmm. and I did an independent study with him. I rifled through all of his files and and spent a great deal of time with him and listened to him and tried to understand what was motivating him. So the, the, the seeker-sensitive movement as we know it today really comes out of a very large church in Chicago, but predating that was the, was the church growth movement. And the church growth movement was premised on this thought. In order to build a growing church, uh, what was required was not fidelity or faithfulness to scripture. What was required is to do the work of a social scientist, come to understand uh, through you know, scientific means what the culture looked like and what slice of the culture you were trying to reach, find out what their needs are, and then build a movement that is designed tailor-made to one group of people. And all the while, you'd know that the next group of people over there are not going to listen to you, but you're not worried about that. Wow. I mean, it's the same way as if you're, you know, if you're marketing you know, a certain kind of a running shoe uh, and you're targeting, let's say, oh, I don't know, 16 to 25-year-olds. Well, you don't care about guys like my age. I mean, you don't care what I think about it. Mm. Um, you're, you, you've got a target audience. So the entire church growth movement was premised on the idea is if you can find your target audience and you can design your message so that that target audience listens... Um, you can reach that group of people, and that's how your church can grow. So it's premised on that. I would say that the seeker-sensitive movement really built on, or basically the leaders of the seeker-sensitive movement, you know, they stood on the shoulders mm. of the people who were in the church growth movement. So it, it followed, and wow. it's a natural outcome of, of the original movement. Wow. I, I mean, obviously, there's so many clear <laughs> indications that that's terrible. <laughs> well, I think it's terrible because, you know, you no longer go to church to say, what has God objectively said? Yeah. And what is that timeless message, which has always been true? I mean, you know, is there a message that comes from the very foundations of the world? Mm. Or are we reinventing religion for every generation? 
And, and that's the problem, is that if you're in the seeker-sensitive movement, you say, this is exciting, this is cool, this is meeting my need, and it's everything I was looking for. However, 20 years from now, it's going to be passe, and nobody's looking for that anymore. It's kind of like the design of a car that ages not mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. and then the next generation looks at that and say, I can't believe that anyone actually held that, yeah. but that's what's happening. We have to now reinvent the evangelical church every decade or so, and uh, it has no historic connection or root system either in Scripture or in the historic Christian church. I mean, it's crazy to think that that's a reality for a lot of churches, that they're going this direction. Yeah, they don't even recognize that's what they're doing, Um, but the, the, the horrible... Uh, biblical illiteracy. Now, I had a prof when I was working on my doctorate who who said, those things that we win them with, we win them to. Yes. So if you win them with an easy belief, God exists to help you fulfill your life's goal to feel good about yourself. I mean, if that's what you're one with, don't you turn around now and suddenly talk about, you know, sin, the need for redemption, apart from a savior, there's no salvation. I mean, that falls on deaf ears. That's not what I signed up for. and, And that's what's happened. We've actually created a religion that's based upon a contemporary need, but not a historic uh, revelation of God. It's, it's it's terrifying. You know, I was just doing research, you know, before we uh, were going to have this interview together and this episode, but I've just started kind of looking into some of the theologies that a lot of people are listening to. Even some people who uh, up until now, I'm like, I got to stop listening to this guy. I didn't even know he would say that or he would think that. And so I started just going on YouTube and watching different pastors or preachers or, you know, and I use those terms very loosely. But um, I was just shocked to hear some of the theology they're teaching. But then I'm also shocked. I don't know what's more shocking to hear the theology or to hear thousands of people in the room cheering and just, you know, excited about this truth. Yeah, the wide path. This is the one you're talking about. It's the wide path. They look like sheep. They're wearing sheep, but it's just ravenous wolves. And it just, it really opened my eyes. And I think it's really important. And we talked about this earlier today about this, what you win them with is what you win them to. And I think it's really important because I think a lot of these churches are just winning with fluff. And the problem is when you do that, and we even seen in the last couple of years with, you know, the pandemic, all these different things, you know, if you win them with fluff, when trials come, tribulation comes, it's the same thing in that passage of Matthew 7. It talks about storms, who's, who's on the solid foundation. They just kind of fall away. Yeah. So I'm kind of seeing all of Matthew 7 from 13 on kind of just happening. I think that's why I can't go to bed at night because I'm just like, I'm in this part of the of the story in our culture, which is crazy. Um, but I do want to read some quotes for you. We're going to have a segment now. This segment's called Dangerous Doctrines. Whoa, looks like it's time for d- 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 Dangerous Doctrines. Come on. D- 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 dangerous Doctrines. <laughs> okay, so this is actually very serious, even though that sounded a little ridiculous. But um, there are a lot of... Uh, Uh, I'm going to give you a few quotes. I'm going to read them to you. Um, I can't believe these were preached at a pulpit in front of people. And again, with thousands of people cheering. But this is the first quote. I'm going to give you two quotes. It's the same person uh, in the same sermon. And I use again, sermon extremely loosely. Okay. So this is what, this is what the person says. I am not poor. I'm not miserable and I'm not a sinner. This is a lie from the pit of hell. That is what I were, and if I still was, then Jesus died in vain. And then this person continues. I'm going to tell you something, folks. 
I didn't stop sinning until I finally got it through my thick head that I wasn't a sinner anymore. And all the religious world thinks that's heresy and they want to hang you for it. But the Bible says that I am righteous and I can't be righteous and be a sinner at the same time. Well, what the Bible does actually say is that the righteousness that you have is not your righteousness. Theologians call that an alien righteousness. It's Mm -hmm. the righteousness of Christ, not yours or mine, Andrew. So that's the first thing I would say. The person is not righteous. Christ is righteous, and we live by faith in the righteousness of Christ, not in our own. Then in relationship to sin, let's talk about that, because it's becoming very unpopular to say I'm a sinner. So, yes. you know, if I'm say I used to be a sinner, but now I'm saved, so that gets said. But then you look at the actual text of Scripture. And uh, so we have 1 John 1, uh, verse 8 and 9. So verse 8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we make God a liar, mm-hmm. and his truth is not in us. And then verse 9 says, But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and full forgive us. So that's speaking about the life of the believer now, not the life that we had before we were in Christ. In fact, if I take us to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, um, 2 Timothy 1, 15, where Paul says um, that he is the foremost of sinners, and he uses it in the present tense. So hmm. 2 Timothy is the last letter that Paul wrote right prior to his, you know, his, his execution. Um, So there, the aged apostle who's been following Christ says, when I look at my own sin, I think I'm the foremost, and I think I understand why. Paul's not saying he's got some deep, dark, vile Mm. thing that he's involved in. There's there's no scandal that you discover in him. But it was the great English preacher Spurgeon who, when he was spending time with his text, said, the issue is, Spurgeon said, I think that when I sin... My sin is greater than a lot of other sins because I sin against the greater light that God has given me. So Paul knew the reality of his own sins, but he also knew that the greatness of the revelation that he'd been given was so great that he said, I I sin against that great light. Mm -hmm. So who am I then? I I can't conceive of a greater sinner than myself, says the apostle. So how different Paul sounds, how different scripture sounds than these contemporary preachers who don't understand the scriptures that they're quoting, they quote them loosely, they don't describe the background out of which a text came, hmm. and rather they just snap these things off. Their followers don't actually know the context either. You know, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, I'm not a sinner, that kind of stuff. Um, assuming that the righteousness is in me and not in Christ. So people are being led astray. They no longer confess their sins. They no longer depend on the saving work of Christ in their daily lives all the time. They rather view themselves as as holy when they're not. Wow. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I couldn't... So, I, I, like this, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's not good. Not good. That's not good. Listen to this one. So, um, there's there's a lot of these unbiblical ideas of uh, this uncontrollable laughter, like the, and I understand there's the joy of the Lord, but then there's also some of these pretty kooky uh, preachers who are just, uh, they're just talking about this laughter and la- and and how it's just like when you get filled and when you're slain in the spirit, it's just like this uncontrollable laughter. So I have a quote here. Tell me what you think of this. It's ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> in all seriousness, help me understand the difference between, you know, joy of the Lord and this uncontrollable, you know, because Paul talks and directs people about having control 
in the context of a gathering. So what would you say to the people who, you know, use this as evidence to bark and to laugh and to, you know... I've heard so many justifications. I think the pastor that you're, you're speaking about, I mean, I've heard him call himself God's barkeeper, you know, so he's, he's serving out the, this, you know, the spirit, right? And uh, so you know, my, my response to that is, the text that he often uses is, you know, from Ephesians 5, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. So if you look at people who are drunk, that being filled with the spirit might be like that. So they're staggering around and they're laughing and everything else that they're doing, they're, they're out of control. Yeah. But the context of the passage, Paul says, don't be like that. In contrast, don't be this, be this. Right. So it's a contrast, yes. it's not a continuum. Yes, that makes sense. You know, so yeah. the reality is that somebody who walks by the Spirit has gifts like self-control. Now, that's the exact opposite of the person who's, you know, hanging out at a bar and can't handle his liquor and now has gotten himself out of control and fights develop and, uh, you know, and people are falling off their chairs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's not the life of God. In fact, Scripture is very clear that self-control is a part of every believer's goal in life and that the Holy Spirit has come to give us the ability to control our, our vulgar impulses. Hey, you know, so, yeah, I, we can laugh. Uh, we can do all of that kind of stuff. But don't think for a moment that laughter is a sign that you're spirit-filled. It's, you know, so great quote, ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 ha. You can Google it. Yeah. You can find it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you can. But do you see how important it is to have context? Context is everything. Yeah. People take these single, you know, phrases or and just pull it out and, and use it to their own discretion. It just, it just blows my mind that uh, so many people follow this. Here's a quote. Uh, this one, this one actually, I, I let my wife hear this one and she just like gasped. She couldn't believe it. Um, I'm going to give you a few of them, but they're all kind of the same uh, theology here just to really listen. These are three different preachers uh, saying the same kind of theology. Who is the biggest failure in the Bible? God is. God's reason for creating, creating Adam was his desire to reproduce himself. He was not a little like God. He was not almost like God. Adam is as much like God as you can get. Just the same as Jesus when he came into the earth. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He wasn't a lot like God. He's God manifest in the flesh. And I want you to know something. Adam in the Garden of Eden was God manifested in the flesh. Same guy says, when I read I am in the Bible, I always respond with I am too. So this is known as little G, little God theology, that we're all little gods. A few more quotes, and then we'll kind of unpack this, you know, theology of little gods. God submits to this principle that everything produces after its own kind. Now that is interesting because if everything produces after its own kind, we see God producing man. And if God now produces man and everything produces after its own kind, and he kind of waits, people get all riled up. They're getting excited. If horses get together, they produce horses. If dogs get together, they produce dogs. If cats get together, they produce what? So if the Godhead gets together and say, let us make man, then what are they producing? They're producing gods. I can't, I... Yeah, I, I think a couple of things need to be said as a place of beginning. The Ten Commandments, the very first commandment, the thing that God hates more than anything else. You shall have no other gods before me. 
there is something called the Shema, which Shema is a Hebrew word for hear, listen. And uh, so Shema Yisrael is something that all the Jews would repeat, and it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6 or Deuteronomy 7. Uh, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, Isaiah 43, 10 and 11. Uh, you are my witnesses, declares Yahweh, that you might know and believe that before me no God was formed, neither will be there one after me. I and I alone am he, and apart from me there is no Savior. Now, these kind of words get repeated throughout the entirety of Scripture. So the idea that suddenly you're going to cast the Christian faith as if it's a polytheistic religion rather than a monotheistic religion. Unpack I mean, those two for us. Okay, for so listeners. monotheism yeah. is there is but one God and there is none other. Hmm. No other person can claim to be God. So to say in a monotheistic religion that I also am a God is as blasphemous as we can get. There is no sin. I mean, you could commit a crime against humanity as horrible as that is. This is worse if you're a monotheist. This is the height of all satanic reason. Now, if you're a polytheist, so you believe in the Greek and Roman gods, uh, then lots of other people become gods as well. So for instance, in ancient Rome, the Caesars would build, uh, well, actually, normally it was when the Caesar died that you would build a temple in honor of him, and then you would deify the past Caesar. He had now become a god. Uh, this goes back even to the ancient Egyptians um, who, you know, believed that after death they, they could receive godlike status. So, you know, this this kind of a theology has always been there. So you see, two trains of thinking. One is the, the polytheistic religions of which there have been many. And then there is the monotheistic faith of Abraham. And Abraham comes to realize that there is but one God. Abraham grows up in a, you know, the, ki the very kind of a culture that's being described by this preacher. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, has come to recognize that all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens and the earth. So, uh, you know, th that's the place of beginning. Now, the misquoting, again, of these passages that you put before me, it's almost breathtaking. I mean, to, to, to take the, the statement that we are made in the image of God, I mean, every biblical theologian will tell you that in some ways we are remarkably like God, and in other ways we're not like him even in the slightest. So what ways are we like God? Well, we might think that God has given us creativity. Um, you know, that, that um, we, we think of things that might be and we actually bring them into existence through our own creativity and our handiwork. So this is a, God is also relational mm -hmm. uh, and, and we're relational. So in some ways we're remarkably like God, but in other ways we're not like him even in the slightest. Let me give you the most easy example. God is spirit, we're flesh. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere present. Where can I flee from your presence? Mm -hmm. uh, if I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you're already there. If I make the wings of an, you know, of, um, 
of an, uh, a bird and fly up into the heavens. Behold, you're already... It, I cannot escape. Yeah. I am always in God's presence. Paul would say that when he spoke to the Athenians. In him, we live and we move and we have our being. I've never been outside the presence of God. Now, Andrew, you I've been outside the presence of. In fact, I'll walk out of this room and you ain't there anymore. And that preacher is not there either. Mm-hmm. So my response is to a preacher who thinks he's God. I've noticed, however, that if he took off his pants, we'd notice that the veins in his legs are starting to look like roadmaps. What an interesting God. He's breaking down and he's about to die. God doesn't die. He does. So if you think that's what God looks like, you're an idolater. Mm. It's simple as that. And so, you know, I think we need to give the harshest denunciation and say this. If you believe that you're a God, you have no part in the eternal kingdom to come and there is no hope for you in eternity. The only chance that you now have is to renounce that utterly and to grasp hold of God's first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. The Lord will not hold guiltless the person who has another God or a goddess. And so we say that is, that's Christianity 101. You don't get more basic than that. Mm. And so to actually take polytheism and argue that it is Christianity in any way is, I mean, I at least have respect for the polytheist who says he is a polytheist and says I'm not a Christian. I at least respect that. That's his viewpoint. That's what he holds. But for someone to claim that is in any sense related to Scripture, um, it is a monstrous lie. I don't... Have I been clear on that? I think he's pretty clear. Yeah. And I think it's just really important. Like when I was doing some of this research with this specific little gods, uh, there are some people that I actually looked up to that I had no idea they would even think about that. And so I think it's just really important who we're listening to and just, you know, fact checking, you know, that's very popular these days, but I feel like we need to get to the scripture, get back to the Bible and actually read within context a lot of these preachers are just taking things out of context, adding some fluff and winning many people to it. Yeah. And as you're saying with these little gods and this, how God just detests, if you think about in the commandments, wide gate, yeah. wide path. And these churches that, I'm, that I've been watching to just kind of get some of these doctrines, thousands and thousands and thousands of congregation members. Yeah, no, so, Andrew, let's say something. You know, I mean, churches can legitimately disagree with, you know, whether or not we should baptize infants or whether we should baptize believers. We can legitimately disagree with matters on free will and sovereignty. There are all sorts of, you know, debates that we have within the Christian faith, and they're legitimate debates, and we ought to take them seriously and recognize the person on the other side, even though we may profoundly disagree. And and we we may even think they're just dead wrong. Mm -hmm. We do not doubt that there are brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm This is not a church. Yeah, um, These are not our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the center of our faith. This is a denial of essential Christianity, or as C.S. Lewis would call it, mere Christianity. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, This is not Christianity in any sense of the word. And maybe that brings our conversation right down to the beginning, you know, this you know, seeker sensitivity that basically says, you know, what is it that the audience wants to hear? Well, the audience wants to hear, I'm great, I'm fantastic, yeah. I am, you know, see, I'm, I'm all those things, I'm powerful, I'm all these things. And, and God would say, but you're a man and not a God, and uh, you're on the road to death, and uh, in fact, beyond that, you're but a vapor that's here for a moment, and tomorrow you're gone. See, that's the reality. Uh, you know, when, when somebody says, you know, anything is possible, just, you know, 
you know, and they say it in, a, in, a, in an ungodly way, um, my response is go ahead and try to do anything. God can, you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we, we need to be very clear. You, you can't be on both sides of this debate. You can be on both sides of some debates, but not this one. That's huge. Yep. Because there's a lot of people on that side. Yep. And I think that's why Matthew 7 keeps me up. And so I think it's just important for us as we kind of wrap up this interview, just what's what's one thing you would tell the young person who is driving right now or watching right now to just encourage them? What would you say to them to protect them? Because I just feel a lot of people are on the wide gate. How could they pull a U-turn and head on towards the narrow path? I think the first thing that I would say is you need a savior. Jesus, the only begotten of the Father, came to earth to save men from their sins. That's what he says. So if uh, in the end you do not understand yourself as alienated from God and desperately in need of something that you can't provide, so that you say, I am helpless, I've come to recognize the weight of my own depravity and my alienation from God, so that God is not pleased with me, but God rather reminds me that there's a day of judgment coming where he will bring before me every you know, every thought, every action, every deed that I have left undone, even that far, and that I will be called to account for all of that, and I will not stand mm-hmm. in the judgment. What can be done for me? And the answer is I need a savior. I need a rescuer. I need someone who will do something for me that I can't do myself. Who is that person? And the answer is that person is not the Jesus of our imagination, not the Jesus of contemporary culture, not the Jesus of, you know, my deep psychological longings that I call, you know, my view of God. It, it is actually the Jesus that's found in the pages of Scripture. Yeah. So again, we're coming back to sola scriptura. If you want to know what God is saying, not just quote a Bible verse out of context, read it in context. Find out what it actually said in that day. And I promise you, you won't be led wrong. And then, by the way, get yourself in a Bible-believing church. Yes. And, and not in huge. one. It's, that's, that's huge. Because huge. I think those are becoming less popular these days. Well, you know, it's interesting. In many circles, they are. And yet, um, I would argue that um, at the same time, ones that are strongly Bible churches where, you know, the pastor will do a verse-by-verse mm-hmm. exposition mm-hmm. of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Just take you through verse-by-verse, not quoting one out of the air here and badly using one there, but rather showing you in context what it means. You know, those kind of churches are winning the lost. Amen. Yeah. The, 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 it, it's just that there's always going to be that that wide gate. Yeah of people who don't wish to repent, of people who don't want to be told, you know, you're a sinner and in danger of eternal judgment. Yeah. Um, but if you're willing to listen to God, God has good news for you. Amen. Amen. Dr. John, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Uh, I hope that was helpful for you. I hope that was insightful for you. Um, be in the Word, and like he said, find a good, like a Bible-based church Uh, We just hope you enjoyed that, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for being here, man. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Well, that was an awesome interview with Dr. John Newfeld from Back to the Bible. I hope you are encouraged and inspired uh, to be in the Word. What did you guys think? I thought that was really, really insightful. Uh, Yeah. 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 Kind of mind-blowing, some of those quotes that you're reading. Yeah, holy smokes. eh? I couldn't believe it. It's crazy. It's crazy. 
I am God. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you I'll imagine? Relax. <laughs> so like when you read I am, I always respond with I am too. That's insane. Wow. Like I showed that to my wife and she literally gasped yeah, out loud. Yeah, yeah. She was like, that is like the most blasphemous thing I've ever yeah. heard. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know that teaching was as popular as it as it is. It's hilarious though. Yeah. Like it makes me want to laugh at their face. But and it's, sad. It's, and sad. It's yeah. hilarious. More sad. Yeah. It's it's hilarious because it's so unbiblical and it's super sad because you hear thousands of people cheering. Yeah, it's the people that are listening oh, that make man. it um, sad. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 I like the part about uh when he went into the history because you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. When he was talking about the history of what happened before the seeker movement, like yeah. if, if you were to just say that on a surface level, like the reasoning behind like targeting circuit certain audiences and knowing how to communicate, like that all seems reasonable talking to a specific audience and then um but i mean your intentions don't really matter if it's not founded in truth right totally yeah. man totally so. i remember reading a book recently actually and it talks about how like the narrow path is like an uphill curled like a really hard road and mm. then the wide gate is like kind of like a really subtle downward yeah yeah so it's like oh yeah it's not like this yeah it's like you don't even notice nope. yeah. that you're going and then you realize, you know, years go by and you're like, what What am I even believing in anymore? Yeah. And so that was just very eye-opening to me. I remember when I was doing all the research for these Dangerous Doctrines quotes, I was like, I can't even believe I'm listening to this very demonic. Like the Bible talks about like doctrines from demons. Yeah. And I feel like that just... It's just totally. Yeah, it just yeah. gives me the heebie-jeebies. Keeps you up at night. It so literally said, does. Well, yeah. <laughs> it literally does. Because I'm like, I think I'm watching yeah. the wide path right now. Mm. And I'm seeing a lot of people who I love walking away mm. or just the the general stats. And um, it's just like, yep. oh, man, like it's just happening before our eyes. And it, it's, yeah. it's, it's, I, I, it's terrifying, but it also, okay, we need to suit up. We need to be in the word. We need to teach the word. We need to live out the word. And yeah. I think uh, now more than ever, we need to be like unashamedly, yeah. Um, just reading and teaching and sharing yeah. uh, the gospel. And getting better sleeps. I'm sorry getting, for that, man. No. It sucks. I'm a heavy sleeper, so are I, you don't, actually? I don't have the same problem. No. Oh, I probably had like... <laughs> I, are you actually heavy? Uh, no, I'm not. Oh, okay, because oh. I had like probably like three hours today. Oh, shit. It's like pretty terrible. Uh, I actually have a horrible sleep. Thanks for bringing oh, that up. Man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Oh. And on that bombshell, <laughs> <laughs> we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, we hope you're in the word. We were kind of thinking of a little tagline, when in doubt, figure it out. And On your own. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Read the Bible. <laughs> Read the Bible. Be in your word this week. We hope you have a great week and uh, we'll see you next Monday. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you know what? Usually in this area right here, you're going to see other videos or other content that we can give you, but this is the first episode, so all you get is this. But we encourage you, like, subscribe, share, do all the things. We really appreciate it. We'll see you next Monday.